Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Uh, the word victory, and they are success, triumph, conquest, win. <clears throat> you and I are successful. We are triumphant. We are more than conquerors. We are winners uh, through Jesus. Now tell yourself, I'm a winner through Jesus. Now there are several specifics of our victory that I want to look at with you again tonight. And the first is through Jesus, uh, we have the victory over the devil and his devices. In Luke chapter 10 and verse 19, Jesus says, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. He's talking about demonic powers and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. In Colossians chapter 2 verse 15, it says, talking about Jesus, He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities and shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Tonight, because Jesus died on the cross for us, as we have received him into our life, you know what we receive? Victory. We don't have to be afraid of the devil or anything he may bring our way because Jesus won the victory for us. Now, that's true, isn't it? But while it is true, you and I have to enforce that victory. Before I got saved, I lived with anxiety and depression. From the time I was a small boy, I, had, I was anxious. I had periods of prolonged depression and uh, I was from a good home. I had good parents that, that uh, loved me, showed that love, a stable, strong home life. It shouldn't have been the way that it was, but it was that way. I was anxious. At, uh, as a six-year-old boy, I'd be pacing the floor before school at 6.30 in the morning, uh, nervous about school and all of that. I went through those early years, and then into my teenage years, my teenage years, I began to self-medicate to, to help myself out. Uh, hardly any date I went on that I wasn't self-medicated. Thank God tonight that God had mercy and protected me and that I didn't destroy my life or wasn't destroyed during that time uh, even though it came close sometimes. But one of the most notable differences in my life after I got saved was that that power of anxiety and depression was broken. I began to realize I didn't have to live with that dominating my life. I'm not saying that I haven't ever experienced anxiousness since then or or periods where I've been down, 
But I can tell you tonight that I understood something after I got saved and I had to enforce it from time to time, and that is that I do not have to live in constant anxiety or depression. You know why? Because Jesus won the victory for us. Now, the devil will take advantage of us if we allow him to, but we don't have to take it. Tell yourself, I don't have to take it. Someone said, you are what you tolerate, and we do not have to tolerate those things that Satan tries to bring on us. James chapter 4, verse 7 says, so humble yourself before God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Now, if you don't know what flee means, it's not talking about a bug. It's talking about he'll run from you. As we resist him, as we enforce the victory that Jesus has won for us, he's got to go. Jesus used his authority over hell and the devil when he was here on earth. In Matthew 8, verse 16, it says, When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick with a word. And later in Matthew 8, Jesus meets a guy that we uh, call the demoniac of Gadara. It was a guy that was in the area of, of Gadara, and he had issues. They, he, he was called Legion. Jesus said, what, what, what you, name yourself. He said, Legion. Legion, that was meant that he had thousands of issues. And Jesus spoke a word. And that word was simply, he didn't debate. He didn't go through uh, hours uh, of this uh, give and take back and forth. He said one word, and those <coughs> issues went. He said, go. <clears throat> you and I have the same authority. <clears throat> those thousands of issues went, <clears throat> and you and I need to enforce the victory in our life. Jesus won that victory for us. If we're fearful, <clears throat> we need to say, go. <clears throat> if we're oppressed, <clears throat> We need to say go. If we are uh, depressed, depression, go in Jesus' name. We can and should enforce the victory over the devil and the vices uh, that he tries to bring our way through Jesus Christ. Somebody say, I believe that. <laughs> now, secondly, we are meant to have victory over sin and its effects in our life. Jesus paid the ultimate price for our freedom, didn't he? In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, he says, for you know, for you know, I want you to tell yourself, I know this, that God paid a price, paid a ransom to save you from the empty life that you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. And because he paid that price, we know that we're precious to God because of the price that he paid for us. And the price that he paid was for more than just our forgiveness. It was for our freedom. 
That's why Romans 6 verse 14 says, For sin shall not have dominion over you. You are not under the law, but under grace. This is an incredible promise, isn't it? And you and I need to believe it because Jesus died for our sins when we receive him into our lives, uh, the power of sin over us uh, has been broken. Now, I want you to hear what I'm saying tonight. I'm not saying that we can't sin or that we won't ever sin, but what I am saying by the Word of God and by Romans 6.14 is that we don't have to. We have been given the victory over sin, and we can begin to act like it. Now, another area of victory that is ours is really closely related to the victory over sin and its devices in our life is this, victory over ourselves. Now, somebody say, help me, Jesus. I'm going to explain what I mean by this because we, we can overcome the things that have humiliated us, shamed us, or irritated us about ourselves. You ever irritated your own self? Listen, there's no sin, there's no habit, there's no addiction, there's no personality trait or emotional state like anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, jealousy, envy, oppression, depression, recession, any other negative trait or emotional state that bugs us that we cannot overcome through Jesus Christ. We have been given by the victory that he has won, the victory. And what I mean by that is, is we can change. We can change. We are not stamped in our lives by whatever it is that bothers us, bugs us about ourselves, or whatever, if it's a habit or if it's an addiction or if it's just a, a, a trait or a state. Doesn't matter if we struggled with something, an issue for, for years in our lives, when we listen, when we believe in and rely on the victory that Jesus has already won for us, we experience freedom. I had a friend in the, in the church here a uh, number of years ago uh, that his, his name was Tom Easley, and he had been an alcoholic for almost his entire life. Dec- I'm talking about decades. I'm not talking about he had a uh, a problem where every once in a while he blew it and, and, uh, uh, and that. I'm talking about decade, calendar years <clears throat> of alcoholism. <clears throat> and <clears throat> Tom went on to be with the Lord about eight years ago or so. And for years he would come to church drunk. For years. And most times he was manageable, you know, he, he handled himself all right. You could tell and you could, you could smell it on him that he'd been drinking. But he'd come and he'd sit in church. Uh, most times it was okay, but there, there were a couple of times where we had to tell him, you know, Tom, you're just gonna, you, can't do, 
can't act out like that, and you're going to have to go. I had to, had to ask him to leave. <clears throat> but he'd come back, and he had a good heart. Tom had a good heart, but he had a problem with alcohol. But listen, about two years before he died, Tom finally began to trust that Jesus paid for his victory, and he began to live it. And yeah, for, uh, uh, for the, the last two years before he passed, uh, he began to really serve God. And I used to teach a class on Monday nights. Tom would come and help Cindy and I set up before that class. Every time we were there, he was there. He'd be waiting, and he'd come, and he'd help us set up. He was the last person to leave. He'd help clean up, straighten up. Listen, here's a guy that for decades had struggled with drinking. He hated it. It humiliated him. It embarrassed him, but he seemed to have no power to resist. Most people would have looked at Tom and think he was a hopeless drunk, but to Jesus, no one is a hopeless anything. And Tom began to believe that Jesus uh, had set him free, and he lived it. Tonight, you may feel, well, I've just always had a problem with my temper, or I've, I've just never seemed to be able to control my mind or my thoughts, or I've always been this way, and I guess I always will. But listen, we can change because Jesus paid for our victory, And that change that he brings in our life, it happens in a moment when we ask him to come into our life, but it also happens from the, how many know that once you get saved, the moment you get saved, you, all of your issues aren't handled in that one moment. I mean, before God and the Father, it is. We are forgiven completely. Every sin is gone. Aren't you glad for that? but we may still have some things that are lingering on our life. And over the period of time, the more we grow in Him, the more victories we'll win over ourselves. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says, but we all, that includes everybody. Everybody here, we all. Say, say, y'all, we all, we all. Uh, Must have been some southern derivative there or something. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. From glory to glory. To glory. What that means is, uh, is that there's a continuous thing that God does in our life. From glory, when we got saved, it was glory. I mean, it was glory. In a moment of time, all those sins were gone. It was glory. But then, after we get saved, we begin to grow in Him. Things begin to fall off of our life. Our drinking, our drugs, our cussing, our, uh, uh, our temper, whatever it is, we are changed from glory to glory. We can change. We will change by the grace of God. Romans 6.14 says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law but under grace. Some people have the opinion 
but grace is there so God can overlook things uh, in our life. Uh, you know, where there's stuff going on that we're not proud of, we're ashamed of, where they humiliate us, we're embarrassed about stuff. And, and so some people believe that grace is there so God can just kind of overlook it. And I want you to hear this tonight. That is not, that is so not what grace does. It's not so that God can overlook junk in our life. It's so that God gives us the power to overcome that junk. Grace gives us victory. In James chapter 4, verse 6, it says, but he, but he gives more grace. Tell yourself, more grace. Say, Jesus, give me more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, humility isn't, oh, God, I'm just a miserable, no good, uh, good for nothing, so-and-so. That isn't humility. What humility is more like, God, I can't do it myself. There's stuff about me. There's stuff in my life that I seem to be powerless against. I don't seem to be able to, to get over it. I can't seem to get around it. I can't seem to get through it. God, there's this junk in my life that I just... Hanging on, God, I can't do it, but I believe that you can. And so that's humility, is when we say, I can't, but I believe you can, God. And when we humble ourselves and ask God to help us, he gives us grace. And grace is the power to change. Romans 6, 14 again says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. In the Old Testament, people were under the law. The law was full of do's and don'ts, but it didn't have the power to accomplish it. And that's another sermon for another time, a lengthy subject, but suffice it to say that all of the Old Testament was a proof and an evidence uh, that we cannot do it on our own. If God just gives us a bunch of rules and regulations, we cannot do it. We can't live up to any kind of a standard. we got to have God help us. And because of that, God proved that through the Old Testament uh, so that we don't just say, well, God, if you just tell me what to do, I'll do it. We can't pull it off. We can't do it. We can't, we can't do it. And see, that's the thing about us tonight. When we realize we can't do it, then we turn to God, and that's where grace comes in. In the New Testament, he talks about grace, and that grace is the ability to have victory. We're given the victory. Say, I have the victory. There isn't any habit. There isn't any addiction. There isn't any emotional issue like depression, anger, bitterness, or whatever that we cannot overcome by the grace of Jesus Christ. Grace gives us the power to change. I'm about to get a little bit happy. Just almost there. Because I know what I'm talking about because I've experienced it. And I don't live this life uh, on my own ability. I'm so glad that we don't have to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. I broke those bootstraps a long time ago. 
We can't pull it off. We can't do it ourselves. We can't just get better on our own. We got to have the grace of God. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to give us grace, to give us victory over the things that shame us, humiliate us, and that we don't like about ourselves. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 6 says, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. That's beautiful, isn't it? If we trust in him, we won't be shamed. Won't be put to shame. Why? He paid the price for our forgiveness and for our victory. Now, I'm going to preach just a little bit more, but I want to pull the first altar call. So if you bow your head and close your eyes, I I didn't want to go into the rest of the sermon without, uh, without praying right here for the need. And maybe you're here and, and you've never gotten saved or you uh, had at one time, you've been away from God, and tonight we're going to pray for you. Nobody looking around for a moment, never been saved or you've been away from God for a time. Tonight you say, would you just remember me in prayer? I want Jesus to, and I need forgiveness of my sin. You just, no one looking around for a moment, just slip your hand up in response to the Lord moving on your heart. God bless you. Amen. Honest hearts. God bless you. Praise God. There are others of us here tonight that have, maybe there's some junk, some stuff that we're ashamed of. You know, it may be stuff that no one knows about but us and God. And maybe nobody even even needs to know about. But it humiliates us, shames us, and it, it... may it be something that's been going on in your life for years, and you wrestle, struggle, you've, you've asked for forgiveness. Can I tell you something tonight? Grace comes when we're at the end of ourselves, and we say, God, I can't. I can't pull it off. I can't get rid of it, uh, but I believe you can, and tonight we're going to include all of us. It may have some, maybe some, maybe something like, even like anger or or jealousy, or bitterness, or unforgiveness, or, or uh, it may be an addiction. It may be uh, an ongoing habit. It may be that we have our mind. We just, uh, it just seems like we just never had the ability to control our thoughts. Tonight, in Jesus, we can have victory. Victory. I want you to say victory. victory. All right, let's pray together, and I, I want us all to pray this prayer. Just pray this out loud with me, everyone. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross so that I could be forgiven. I thank you that you did it for me so that I can have victory. I receive your forgiveness. I am free in Jesus' name. I have the victory in Jesus' name. And by grace, I have overcome habits, addictions, bitterness, unforgiveness, all of these things. Thank you for freeing me from fear, depression, anxiety. Jesus, I have no power in my own 
against these things, but I dare to believe in you. I trust in you. And I believe tonight for your grace, touch my life, bring freedom. I have the victory in Jesus' name. Somebody shout amen. amen. Let's give a water clap offering and thank him. <clears throat> See, I just dare to believe that, don't you? All right, I'm going to uh, preach a little bit longer. The final thing I want to talk about is Jesus gives us the victory over our inferiorities. Some of the greatest heroes in the Bible suffered from an inferiority complex. <clears throat> when God spoke to Moses out of the burning bush and told him, tell Pharaoh, let my people go, Moses argued with him. And so, I, you know, I don't think in all, I've been preaching for 40 plus years now, in all those years, I haven't gone through, and I just picked out uh, several of the verses, but I, I don't think I've ever done this as far as uh, the, the, all of the complaints that Moses brought when God told him, go before Pharaoh. First of all, Moses says to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he says, well, who am I? And God says, I'll be with you. Then in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 1, this is an ongoing conversation. Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. And so God gave them two signs. Pastor Poole talked about one of these Sunday morning and it was the staff, the shepherd's staff that he had in his hand. God says, I want you to throw down that. What's in your hand? He says, a staff. He says, throw it down. He threw it down, and it became a snake. And the Bible, <laughs> it's hilarious. The Bible says Moses ran from it. And then God said, I want you to pick it up. He picked it up by the tail, which you just don't do to snakes, right? But he picked it up by the tail, and it became a staff again. And God says, see there? Uh, that's Wilson paraphrase, but <laughs> that was the first sign. And then God told him, he says, stick your hand in your shirt. And so Moses sticks his hand in his shirt and then pulls it back out again, and it's, it's all white with leprosy. <laughs> Shocking. And, Moses, and God says, now put it back in again. He puts it back in, pulls it back out, and it's completely healed. And God says, now, you, if they don't believe you, show them these two signs. Now, you would think that after this, Moses would think, you know what, I'm, I believe, I'm, I can do it. but he continues to argue. And then Exodus chapter uh, 4, verse 10, it says, Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord. You ever say that? Oh, my Lord. He says, I'm not eloquent. Neither, now listen to what he says, neither before nor since you have spoken to your service. In other words, servant. He say, he's saying, you know, uh, I've never been very good. At, he says, I, I'm slow speech, slow of tongue. And he says, I've always been this way. And even now, while we're talking, it hasn't improved. That's what it says. He says, neither since you have spoken uh, before or since you've spoken to me. I got a problem with my mouth. It just doesn't speak very good. Now, 
you got to realize Moses, all this time, he's having an argument with a burning bush. God talking. Uh, it just blows the mind. And so God is talking to him out of a burning bush, and he is, listen, so intimidated and feels so inferior, inferior that he argues with God. And then Moses said this to God, and it made the Lord angry in, in, in Exodus 4, verse 13. But he said, oh, my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you will send. And he finally, after all of this and the signs and everything, he finally just says, God, just send somebody else. And he says, I can't talk good. And God gets mad. God tells him, you know what? Take your brother Aaron to speak for you. Uh, he says, Aaron talks pretty good. Take him with you. And as you look through the process of God moving, this man is so feeling of inferior at that he argues with God again and again, and yet God moves in Moses' life. And as you see the progression in his life, uh, Aaron may have spoken for him at the beginning, but later on Moses got his assurance and confidence in God, and the God took this man that had an inferiority complex and turned him into the, one of the most famous men in the history of the world. See, that's what God's able to do in and through us. He can take us when we feel inferior and turn things around and use us for his glory. Most of you know my wife, Cindy, and, and she's at the front door greeting and, and, and saying hi to folks. And, and anyone who looks at Cindy would think almost that she's just almost this naturally outgoing personality because she's out there, right? But the truth is she's actually a fairly shy person who would rather be in the background, but she loves God, and because she loves God, she also loves people and people and likes to make people feel like they're important and valued. See, most of us wrestle with our own insecurities and maybe to a certain degree inferiority, but when we get to know Jesus better, he helps us overcome ourselves. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7 says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. See, what that means is that God's put something unique in every one of our lives to help each other. And it may be as simple and powerful as speaking a word of encouragement to somebody. Or it may be teaching kids in Sunday school or, or leading a life group or ushering or, or getting somebody saved. But I want to encourage us tonight to not let our insecurities keep us from stepping out and letting God use us. God wants to do something in every one of our lives that is beyond us. See, if it wasn't beyond us, we wouldn't have to trust him, would we? I never would have thought God would call me to preach. And As I was a kid, I didn't like giving oral book reports. I took piano lessons, and at the end of the 
lessons, the series of lessons. We were supposed to have a recital. I was so terrified. The, the teacher said, well, you just pass out the programs. You don't even have to play. I so was intimidated by people. I got sick uh, to my stomach and couldn't even make it to pass out programs. Then I get saved, and God calls me to preach, and I'm, I, I feel God stirring me to preach, and I'm, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, Lord, you, don't you love me? <laughs> really? I mean, I, it took some time for him to convince me, and so I, uh, I, I wrestled and struggled with it, but it, I, I felt the, the, the push inside, and, and in our church in Flagstaff, we had, uh, on Friday and Saturday nights, we had these uh, music scenes where gospel rock groups would play, and then afterwards, it was to draw people that weren't saved, and people would come that weren't saved to hear the music, and then one of us would get up afterwards and preach about a 10-minute sermon and give an altar call and have people come forward to get saved. And so I, uh, uh, the pastor uh, asked me to, to preach, and the first time I did it, I, was, uh, I felt confident, I felt good, and really the message went pretty good. I thought, well, I, that's all right. But the, the, like the second time I preached, it, it felt just flat. And I, I preached and preached and gave it, gave it my best shot, but it really just wasn't that dynamic. And the guy, after I got finished, you know, I think we had some response, and I think some people actually got saved. But afterwards, one of the guys in the church came up to me, and he said, Brother, he says, that's all right. He says, always remember, God chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. I thought, thanks a lot. I knew what he was saying. Man, that... My parents came out to visit from the south, and I preached at the end of one of those music things, and my parents were there, and I thought, this is going to be my opportunity to shine in front of my folks, let them see what God's done in my life, and it was really flat. <laughs> my dad came to me afterwards and said, son, your mom and I would like to help you in your ministry, and we'll pay for speech lessons. <laughs> and he was totally serious. He wasn't making fun of it. He just wanted to help his boy out. I said, no, nah, I'm just going to, Dad, I'm just going to believe God. One time I was preaching and got so nervous that before I even stood up to preach, my mouth went dry. I got cotton mouth. Some of you know what I'm and I, and I stood up, and every breath just dried it all the worse. And so I'm preaching, Jesus, and it get drier. And as I'm doing this, my top lips start sticking. Now I'm in full-blown panic. Jesus will save you. And then my lower lip starts sticking. My mouth is doing these contortions. Where we had the lights turn out. We had these colored spots on where I was. Most people couldn't really see what was going on. But the people that were sitting closest, to, we all sat on the floor there, no chairs. And the, the, the people that were sitting up in the front part were looking at it. And they saw what was happening there. And they started laughing. I'm thinking, I said, don't laugh. 
Somebody give me a bottle of water or something. I'm... <clears throat> but you know, I couldn't shake the sense that God wanted me to preach. And so now it's been 40 some odd years and I'm so glad that I didn't let my own misgivings or insecurities or inabilities stop me. And tonight, every one of us, we're not, we're not all called to preach, but we're all called to do something for God and in our lives for God to use us. And I want to encourage us tonight. Uh, you know, these stories now, it is funny, and I can laugh at it, but during those times, there was, it was no laughing matter. And yet, God can help us in the midst of our own inferiorities and insecurities and come through and show Himself strong. If, it, if, it's, if, it's, if we don't have to trust God, then maybe it's just us. we got to trust God. And if we'll dare to trust God, He'll do something in every one of our lives that's beyond us. If we don't have to trust Him, then it's just, it's not beyond us. God, we sang that song tonight, uh, nothing is impossible with Him. And in your life, what God's able to do, he, he wants to show Himself strong in our behalf. Can you say that's right? Final verse tonight, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4 says, Every child of God can defeat the world, and our faith is what gives us the victory. Tonight the victory is ours, but God responds to faith. And that faith is, man, if I just had more faith. No, no, no. We got faith. He gave us a measure. Every one of us, he gave us faith. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you got faith. Say, I got it. And that faith just needs to be put into circulation where we say, God, I just don't seem to be able to on my own, but I believe you can. This is what gives us the victory, our faith in him, trust in him. Can you say, I believe that? Now say, I got the victory in Jesus' name. Final prayer. Let's pray together. Let me just pray over you tonight. Lord, we thank you that you paid that price for us. Thank you for shedding your blood. Thank you for the power that was released by your death and resurrection. Thank you for victory over the devil and his devices. Thank you for victory over sin and its effects in our life. Thank you, Lord, for the victory over our own selves, over our own insecurities. Lord, you are able and you have given us the victory. And by faith we say, I have the victory. I want you to say it. I have the victory. In Jesus' name. Now give him a big clap offering and thank him. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't God good? Praise God. God bless you. You can be, go, be blessed, and tell somebody you like them. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.